Tonight, I can report to the American people and to the world that the United States has conducted an operation that killed Osama bin Laden. We continue to follow the capture and killing of Osama bin Laden now. Those are just some of the scenes overnight as thousands of Americans gathered in celebration of Osama bin Laden's death. Former Navy SEAL Rob O'Neill says he has thought about the mission every day since that May Day in 2011. Multiple conversations you had with Rob O'Neill over the past year and a half. How'd you get And you described that his head kind of exploded yes. when you hit I, him. Yes, I actually hit him three times because I shot him twice when he was standing and once on the ground. That is the fucking American badass. Go, go, go. We are not going for fame and we are not going for bravado. We are going for the single mom who dropped her kids off at elementary school on a Tuesday morning and then 45 minutes later she jumped to her death out of a skyscraper. If you need help, hang up and then dial your operator. I'm Rob O'Neill, and this is the Operator Podcast. I sincerely hope you're enjoying episode 31. That is quite a lot to digest. We've covered Afghanistan, a little bit of training Iraq, Al-Qaeda, the Taliban. Eddie Gallagher is a lot more humble than I thought. The rest of it, we're going to get into some ISIS, some NCIS, and figure out what the difference between those two are. Well, uh, just real, yeah. So I got done with buds. I did three more platoons. At- whoa, whoa, you did three more platoons? Yeah. Um, See that? This, none of this is in the book. This is how unprepared I am. Yeah, I went back to Afghanistan a couple more times, and then eventually, um, I you know made chief, and they were like, "Hey, you got it. You're doing your platoon chief." So I, I uh, picked up platoon chief of Alpha Platoon at Team Seven. Yes, uh, Team Seven, right. Yep. So they switched me over there. I knew nobody in that platoon except for one individual. I ended up bringing two guys from my previous platoon over um, just as some continuity. So I, I knew them. And then uh, it was uh, it was different, man, like the, the vibe of that platoon. So before I had taken over, I was briefed. They were like, hey, this was the worst platoon last last go. They were ranked last. Um, and it was, you know, what I was told it was because of their leadership. I was like, okay. So I went in there with a, you know, clean slate. Um, I laid out my expectations. I was like, Hey, you know, I'm all about training. I'm all about getting better at this job. Um, and that's what we're going to do. And so during pro dev, um, I had set up a training schedule each, you know, every week we would go do CQC and pre post assault procedures, patrolling. And what I got, the vibe I got right away from some of the older guys. And when I say older guys, they were on their second or third. It's not an older guy. That's not an yeah. older guy to you. And there was a 10 year. I was older than the oldest dude there by 10 years, I think. So wow. there was a, definitely a generational gap as well. That's the, yeah. Uh-huh. They were definitely throwing some shade um, about me making them go and just do the basics. Um, they were, they had this attitude. It was like this attitude, like, why do, why are we doing this? We don't, we've this. already done this. What I and here's what I hated. I hated to hear, and I heard this from other platoon chiefs too, because they were like, "Why are you making your guys train all the time? You'll get this in ULT or workup." And I uh-huh. looked at them, and I was like, "ULT and workup is not a time to like learn." No, like, no, you should, you should, yep, it's a you time should to be... perform and show that you are the best platoon to go to the best place. Like, That's exactly a, right too. That's exactly right too. Was raised, um, and so that definitely caused some friction. But either way, it wasn't. It, there was really not like a lot of friction back then, you know, when we started and not enough to notice or make a stink about, I was just like, all right, we're going to keep, keep pushing forward. Um, ULT, we, we did really well. We were the best platoon. Um, 
I actually, out of how many platoons? Nine. Okay, good shit. That's good. And you take you had the worst platoon. You took them to number one at the command. Yeah. Or the yeah, cool. And you know, and I, I won't say that's that's not because of me. That's I mean, we all worked hard. I, I put that. Yeah, but you're a part of it. Come on, let's be yeah. honest. Yeah, it was that's, two, that's humility right there. Take going from first, uh, worst to first. It's, it's a lot, that's a lot on the platoon chief. If you if you uh, gave me platoons with with no name tags and asked me well why this one did this, I'd say it was the chief. Yeah, of course I mean, that's because I am a chief. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I if I was if I was an officer, I would have said it was definitely the the OIC. <laughs> I had a great OIC as well, which was that's that was a huge blessing, man. This dude, Jake Portier, he was yeah phenomenal. Um, knew his role as an officer. He was like, "Hey, you're in charge of the tactics and everything else." He's like, "I'm here to support you." I'm here yeah, to get you. that's I, all. I I had a guy when I I was uh, on a you know like you were saying you do a target and then you get a follow one with intel a follow one with intel and we're going target 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 i think i was a senior chief at the time and i'm going to my grg or whatever and i said well here i said i backed up and i mean I, he came in the house and he was a, an old four and i said shit uh sir you know what i'm sorry you're in charge and he said oh no make no mistake uh i'm responsible you're in charge it's like okay that's cool let's do this that's a good yeah, officer that is i mean but like yeah let, let, let the chief take the tactics and he's got the fucking macro bullshit and that's few and far between that you have officers like that. Um, yeah, it is. It, yeah, it really is. So I, I definitely, I felt super blessed to have him. And, you know, we, we crushed work up and then we actually got to go exactly where we wanted. I, I was doing my work uh, ahead of time and knew that Missoula was going to be the place to go. Um, but I, now, now, th now, but now this is because I mentioned Al Qaeda in Iraq. And then I mentioned Taliban and Al Qaeda over there. This is now ISIS. And this is the famous ISIS. The guys that got famous for doing, I mean, shit that people didn't even see, like boiling people alive and, and just the yeah. craziest shit. So I think you're you're fighting an enemy that I haven't really fought. So I, I, I what, what's because you mentioned now when you got there, there were there's places in Kurdistan with malls and they serve beers and shit. Is that does that be that right? Yeah. So we flew into uh, uh, Erbil and then ended up um, getting a mansion. It was we turned over at this mansion that was uh, being used by SEAL Team 5, and my best friend was actually the platoon chief at the time. Cool. So he was like, hey, man, like, you know, they had gotten some pretty good work the last uh, month and a half of their deployment um, because Trump had just taken office, and he was like, hey, we're done doing this bullshit. Like, mm -hmm. gave us a directive, crush ISIS at all costs, get it done. So they ended up starting doing that. They cleared the east eastern half of Missoula, which is pretty rural, but then when we came in, they were like, you're about to go into the Western half, which is all city. And he, my, my buddy was like, dude, you're about to have a fucking awesome deployment. He's like, it's going to be nuts. Dude, when the chief you're turning over with says that, it's fucking yeah. on. That, I, mean, I mean, again, though, and we'll get into this, that all depends on your attitude because this yeah. could be scary as shit, too. Yeah, I mean, but that's what we, I mean, that's what we want. We're like, dude, give me, give mm -hmm. it to me. You know, like, yeah. I want I want this this job, so... We hit the ground running right off the bat. We, I think we were there for two days before we started going out, and we were pretty yeah. much in a partner force, uh, the emergency response division. And I had never done a job like this. It was a AAA uh, advised assistant at company. So pretty much we would just go out. We were tasked with going out with the partner force and advising them on how to clear, and then we would assist if needed. Well, the problem was... ISIS had a fucking just a stronghold on that whole western part of the mm -hmm. city, and the partner force was not making any strides. Probably the first, 
I would say almost first month we were there. Um, and that's the locals, the, the Iraqis. Yeah. Well, the, it was emergency response division. Yeah. It was the, they were a huge, I mean, they were massive. Um, and then, uh, we also had CTU and then fed pole, I believe. So there was like three different units operating within inside Mosul. Uh, and how big is Mosul? Oh dude, it's massive. It's like, uh, and I, I don't want to get this wrong, but I, I would say it was like three times, three to four times the size of San Diego. Oh um, shit. Oh, it was big. Um, so and they're hard pointed inside of it right that's like that's like their headquarters i think that whole city was there was tunnels dug everywhere they had sniper positions already done they had probably i'm not i'm not exaggerating thousands of v-bids staged everywhere um it was nuts it was nuts. and, and that isn't that that the the grand mosque where abu musab not as but uh the, the guy that cleared him the caliphate um yeah tell his name um Abu Bakr al Baghdadi. Yes, but he had a, he was the one at the mosque with the with the Rolex on, living like Muhammad. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. So yep. now, okay, what? Now, okay, and I heard you, um, you like used some of their caves and cleared them to hardpoint. Like, what, what the hell's that like? Because there there could be trip wires, pressure plates, VBID, uh, uh, IEDs, anything. Yeah. So you they had tunnels and K or tunnels everywhere. So pretty much we you know if there's a tunnel, there's an opening somewhere. So what we ended up doing was we'd find these tunnels, go in there, start smoking them out. Um, and then we had ISR look into where the smoke would come out from another end and be like, all right. And then usually we'd see like, all right, they're coming out and we'd set up somebody to mow them down as they came out. Um, it was, it was, but uh, this is, I mean, I'm just trying to wrap my head around this because this is there. I mean, there might be rules of engagement on your end, but not on their end. They're dressing like women. They got they armored up their their Hiluxes with all kinds of weird shit with like eye holes for the driver. He he's gonna blow himself up and shit like that. Yeah, and that that was the most uh, frustrating part because obviously yeah we have our rules of engagement, but then even our partner force there was no rules of engagement whatsoever with the partner force or with ISIS. So we were sort of stuck in this like medieval savage battle. I the stuff I saw in that deployment I had not seen on any of my previous deployments. I mean we to give you context like we lived in a uh not a mud hut but a little shitty Iraqi house for probably like the first 3 months and right next to us our partner force had um where they brought ISIS members like a room a prisoner room. And so we went to sleep every night listening to these guys get raped, tortured. Um I mean it was just normal and you're like Yeah, oh. you can hear them screaming. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm talking like the room next door. There's a hole, there was a hole in the wall Jesus. where you could look in and watch if you wanted to. Um, and this is a, I mean, this is a culture too, where raping another man is a sign of dominance Yeah, and, and sodomizing them with objects or God. I mean, like when they caught Gaddafi in Libya, they were sodomizing him with a bayonet. Like what the fuck is yeah, this? They, like, would that's... Up, they would heat up pipes and sodomize them with them. Jesus. Um, so it was like, that's what we went to bed, bed, like every night listening to I'm going to need an extra Ambien tonight. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. Pretty, I mean, well, and then, but then you got to figure, and I'm not, this is, you got to put yourself in the mindset. This is fucking chaos and this is war. And uh, like, this is normal. Like the, I, you know, I, I bet a normal person listening to this podcast would think like the worst thing is when you go into the shitter and there's man prints and poo on the place. Cause they, they stand on it and squat. <laughs> That's nothing. That's, 
That, that, that's is what, that, that is frustrating when that happens. Well, it's frustrating. <laughs> well, could you try to explain to logistics? Like, good. Can you give us shitters and them shitters? You can't do like the, I saw in Afghanistan where they made these nice new uh, showers. And the issue was the shower waffles because they shit in the shower and oh, just stomp yeah, it, stomp dude. it. It's like and but that's like that's normal. But the boy, the torque the waffle stop the, but the torture and that's every single night and, but these are now so the the partner forces these are guys that have had family members rolled up and tortured by isis probably been delivered yeah. the videos probably yeah. in person yeah and they they freaking hate you know they hated isis i mean if not as much or more than we did um you know they they were driven to like execute every one of them that they, they could get their hands on and the, and then which brings me to uh not uncommon for dead bodies everywhere because no one's picking them up. No, there was, and that's the other crazy thing was, you know, there was there was just piles of dead bodies all over the place. So like there was times where I'd be wrecking in a position to go set up a, uh, you know, a sniper hide, and we'd have to crawl over a pile piles of dead bodies to get into it because they would just that's how they would block either entryways or bodies. Roads. Yeah, and that's that's probably like a combination of ISIS and civilians and all that shit too. Yeah. And there are locals now trapped in there with ISIS and what the fuck are they supposed to do? And, that, and that's the, you know, sad part is like we'd go into the city every day and there'd be just thousands of locals trying to flee. Um, and then also what would happen is we'd go set up a position and, you know, get, a, get in a little tick with ISIS. But the, what they would do is they just release women and a group of women and children, run them towards us and then mow them down in front of us, trying to draw us out. So we would to help them on a regular basis uh it, it just it was pure evil like yes it, it is at it's, it's depravity yeah and uh you were and i mean and I, it's hard to explain to somebody that hasn't been around that like just the mindset you get into you're like dude fuck these people man like every yeah. one of these every one of these people needs to die like there's no there's no taking these guys and being like hey do you know what you're doing is wrong I'm trying yeah to you're not gonna them. reconcile with them yeah and that, yeah. I mean, that was the mission set. The mission was literally clear ISIS out of there, like kill them yeah. all and retake that city. What what a lot of people don't get too, in my experience, is uh, a lot of our leaders think, well, we'll just go have tea with them and then they'll be fine. It's like they're, they're in this for the for for jihad and paradise. You're not yeah. talking them. Uh, and even, even to the, like, when talking about, I mean, you're in Iraq now fighting ISIS. You guys are, this is fucking barbarian shit. But I, when we first started going in, we didn't even realize, uh, well, you know, all these soldiers with all this body armor, these Oakleys, all these helmets, we look like stormtroopers to them. We, there's no way we're the good guys. And just the yeah. the different mentality. But then you get into these these ISIS dudes that are fucking, like they're fighting for the caliphate, which is taking over the planet. I can't imagine with that. Because that's they're in a city and you guys are just trying to kill them. And that's, I mean. That's like a fucking video game, but you know, any, any second, like we said, is today the day. Yeah. And that's, I mean, there were so many close calls in that deployment where, I mean, I, we had V bids coming straight at us that would detonate 20 yards away. Uh, and you know, and that, cause the problem was we were tasked with staying 800, 800 yards behind the front line. That was our, the rule. Like you cannot go up to the front line because this is not our fight. But the problem was every day that front line would shift because ISIS would make a push that night. Yeah. So what we thought was like 800 meters was actually the front line sometimes. And you're like, okay, well, this is where we're at. Um, and then, you know, the first the first month we were 800, we were following the rules, 800 meters behind. But what would happen is ISIS would just fly drones over us, 
And as soon as we see the drones, the mortars would come in. Coming. Mortars coming, yep. Mortars coming in left and right. So what I decided to do, and I told my OIC, I was like, dude, I'm, I'm getting tired of being on the defensive. I was like, I feel like we're just going out there, sitting there, really not making an impact. I was like, we need to start going on the offensive. I was like, that's what SEALs do. So I was like, yep. hey, what we'll do is we'll set up 800 meters where we're supposed to go. I will take an element, push up a little bit closer into a – find a, a place where we have good view and we can actually engage with organic weapons. And as soon as we started doing that, so we, I'd find a place, bring up the sniper rifles, bring up the javelins, the Gustavs, and we would just start engaging. And as soon as we started doing that, our partner force started moving. And they were like, okay. Well, I mean, that's sim – yeah, that's you made the good call. That's – it would seem like that's the obvious thing to do instead of sitting here be, being a mortar magnet. But so you do that, and then they're now now they're in, they're, they're engaged in going through the city. Yeah, that got them moving. Um, <laughs> so they, it really worked out. I had a good working relationship with the uh, general general Abbas of uh, yeah. he, he was like, dude, he loved me. He was like, dude, you're like one of the only your platoon's one of the only ones that are going up there and actually engaging with us. They respect Fuck. that, which they were like, okay, they wanted us with them all the time. The problem was what was being put out to us by our leadership, by you know uh, NSW leadership, was hey, this isn't your fight. Don't do that. This is not worth dying for. And you know I'm getting told this by by officers who aren't going outside the wire, who are literally flying in for a day, being like, hey guys, don't go up there. Don't risk your life. And I'm like, we're fucking literally driving outside the wire in 10 minutes, dodging IED. There's so many IEDs and VBIDs. I'm like, how can you tell these guys this is not our fight? Plus the fact that we just lost Chuck Keating, uh, JJ, yeah. Fenn, like all, I'm like, that's a, you're spitting on their graves. That, that it's, it's our fight now. Yeah. Fight. This is our fight. So that was my, my mentality. And I think there was a, because those leadership, the leadership was putting that out. Some of the guys in my platoon actually felt that way as well. They were like, we shouldn't be doing this. We shouldn't be, you know, and I yeah, was, like, was the second, the second, cause if there's a little bit of fear involved, especially with the guys who haven't been shot at, they hear a senior officer say shit like that. That's going to immediately affect morale. Yeah. It, and it did. Um, it, it, put, it puts questions in their mind, which shouldn't, you can't have that. No. Yeah. It was like, dude, we're here. And like, how I'm are these, how are your guys handling combat? It was an eye opener for them. And so, you know, I, we just discussed how, how like medieval it was. And I, I you know, and I'll give them the benefit of the doubt on this, like, for a first combat deployment, Jesus Christ, to have that as your first combat deployment was definitely like drinking from a fire hose. And I think some of them realize, like, oh shit, like we're in it, and I don't think I want to be part of this. And yeah, like, you, know, you know how it is. Like you can't, they're not going to raise their hand and be like, hey, I don't want to be part of this. So instead, yeah. they sat there and created toxicity at the lower levels. Like, hey, we shouldn't be doing this and trying to. I've seen that too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I've seen it, I, but I mean, and that it's, it's hard too. I, I wasn't with you guys, so I'm not trying to pass judgment on anyone, but I've seen dudes and you don't know who it's going to be. I've seen it when, you know, close quarters, bullets start flying. I've seen guys straight up freeze. Like they don't know what to do. Yeah. And I don't, and that's probably just a, a chemical reaction or something. But um, uh, I think I was too stupid to have that. I just, I kind of went with it, but uh, I, I, I don't think people really know how they're going to respond to combat until they see it. And it's, yeah. it, the, 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 the way I describe combat is the, the, the noise, the speed and the permanence, like just it's, it's encompassing. Yeah. And I think, you know, the more experience you get with it, then you're, you're more 
cool calm and collective during yeah. it right? and i think that also well you don't have a choice yeah you don't and it, you know you should be um you know yeah. but i think with i had a bunch of guys green dudes that had never been and then when we were getting into it you know i'd be like hey go over there do this do that and yeah they were, you know their eyes were as big as saucers like why the fuck are we still here and you're like dude this is now we just need to maneuver yeah, well, this yeah, we get we're we're through part of it. Um, did did one guy give up his saw? No, that that was so that was that's a funny story. Like, so we ended up um, getting we were on a rooftop. Uh, ISIS had pushed forward and sort of got us in an L, and so we we're like, hey, we need to get off. Think, this oh rooftop. shit! You get you gotta get the, off the X, yeah. We're getting shot at pretty good. So the uh, medic. Um, had the saw. He had a smoke. He had a smoke as well. So I was like, "Hey, give me your saw. Throw the smoke." And <laughs> gotcha. I was like, you're, "You're gonna go down." And once the smoke goes off, and I, I'll be the last one off the roof. With I had another new guy with me. I was like, "We'll we'll engage and cover you guys as you run yeah. down this stairwell." Okay. And that was the story. But he that turned into like I was taking guys. You're guns. taking guys' guns and yeah. did. The, but I mean, what's the story with um with the dope on your rifle? Did they fuck with that, or did they just say they did? They just said they redacted that real quick uh, because that's I'm that is treason. That's a fucking hangable offense, as far as I'm concerned. If you're no, trying to make sure one of your boss's guns doesn't work, you just don't like them. Yeah, I, I don't believe one bit that they fucked with my rifle, and I don't. Mm -hmm. they, they didn't. It was in, in my possession. Yeah, but I can I can see this uh, um, building along with the the constant combat, man. And you guys are there for a long time. But then the little shit, because I was reading your book, and everyone's got to read this goddamn book. I'm telling you, it, it, what I love about your book, Ed, is it reads like uh, it's like a suspense novel. It's, I mean, I I, I love it because I'm happy with the ending. <laughs> like if I didn't know what happened to you yet, I'd really be shitting my pants right now. But um, just the the little shit like the uh, the cookie butter and the and the oh, Red Bull and yeah. and that I mean like what was that? like you grab a Red Bull out of the damn fridge. That's you're on deployment. I you know I was surprised it was Red Bull, not a rip it. How'd you get Red Bulls over there? But like. In my understanding, especially in a room or wherever we might have a, a be lucky enough to have a, a common area or a refrigerator, that's common shit. If you have stuff that you deserve, you get it and you take it, and then you leave the rest of shit for the guys. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the way I've lived in every other platoon. It's like, dude, we all share whatever. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, all that, the, all the petty crap that they came up with wasn't until like after deployment. And they, okay. They started like, well, he was doing this and he was doing that. And really, you know, and now in perspective, because I've talked to some guys, I actually hung out with uh, Corey Scott, um, the guy. Yeah. So I hung out with him a couple weeks ago for the first time since oh, yeah. wow. the trial. And he was giving me his perspective. And he was like, dude, it didn't. He's like the toxicity spread from Craig Miller, Dalton Tolbert and Dylan DeLay. He's like, those are the three main dudes. And he's like, everything that that's happened, what it sounded like was blamed on you. He's like, dude, it could have been storming outside. And then like, this is Eddie's fault. Eddie's fault. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's easy to blame the guy that's working your ass off. Yeah. The, this thing, the thing that cracked me up was the Skittles, because if you've done enough training, you know, you know, oh, which MREs have what, exactly. <laughs> and I would do, okay. You're the Skittles guy. I was the jalapeno cheese guy in the beef stew. I, I, that's me. But, uh, I remember some platoons where, like, if you let people know that you don't like that you're taking them, they're going to rat fuck every MRE and take everything you like. So yeah. like, just let them have the fucking Skittles. It's his thing. Come on. Show up. Exactly. Yeah. Did they really get mad about that? They, I remember uh, it was because we had like an abundance of MREs. I mean, we probably had like 500 boxes. And yeah. 
you know, yeah, I was like, every before we went on ops, I'd cut open the one that had the. Skittles you know which has a take it. What's the fucking big deal? Yeah, Skittles in my cargo pocket because I'm like, I didn't, I didn't really eat too much when we were out, so I would just munch on Skittles. Yeah, if you need, well, that's energy you're gonna get. That's, yeah, but, but yeah. to bit, I mean, because there's a, I think there's a big difference between bitching and whining. I didn't necessarily have a problem with bitching, but I had a problem with whining. Like if someone says it's fucking bullshit, that's fine. But if they go, this is bullshit. It's like you're a fucking whiner. What's wrong with you? Yeah, exactly. Fucking, maybe it's because I don't really. Maybe because I don't really like Skittles. <laughs> I don't know. They, they were whining. And that, you know, looking back, it's like all these little red flags where they were like whining about the most pettiest shit. But I was so mission focused. I was like, yeah. whatever. like we're, we're going to keep pushing forward. Yeah. So, but, so that, but that, so you got the work ethic and then that that's toxic though. And the problem with, with everything from fear to panic to, it breeds it's it's it, it's it's it people people yeah. start whining others start whining start seeing the bad shit and then uh so we're okay we're gonna you know we got so much to talk about we can't cover it all but uh so the platoon is pissed they got a whisper mafia going the 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 what do you call them the mean girls, mean girls. Yeah. when they're they're texting shit and then uh and then you roll home and they got yeah. pissed about that now that I mean, whatever. It's, you're going home for family issues, but then they're pissed that you. And here's the thing: I didn't even go home. <laughs> that that's the crazy part. So they had three flights going out, and it was like within a week and a half period. So I didn't leave deployment early. I just left on the first flight, which is unnormal for the platoon chief to do. I'll say I'll say that. But because my wife had called and she's like, "Listen, the kids. I I had a daughter in high school at the time. She wasn't doing well. Uh, my oldest son wasn't doing well. They were just like I think they were over the fact." that I was gone all the time. Deployed. All the time, even as a buzz instructor. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, listen, I'll come home on the first flight. I went and told the platoon. I was like, this is, I'm going. And I did a turnover with the platoon chief that was coming in through, you know, emails like, Hey, here's everything. Let me know if you need anything. The master chief already signed off on me going on the first flight. Um, but as soon as I left, that's when the three individuals. Really yeah. Cause now they, now they're alone. Yeah, and that's where shit got real, like sideways. And uh, so, just to what? So the there was already what, what's the incident with the ISIS teenager? Just so, just so people are clear, if they haven't read your book. Did yeah, one, so one of the, one of the days it was we uh, we had just switched from clearing from the south, and we we uh, set up a whole new area at the north and started clearing from the north because ISIS had such a stronghold. Uh, we couldn't push any far anymore from the south. Like guys were just getting whacked every day, so we're like, all right, we need to change our direction. So we started pushing from the north. Um, we roll up, and it was uh, we were clear through this little little town right before we hit the city, and it was filled with ISIS dudes. We were told like, hey, this is there's a bunch of them in there. Um, so we rolled up at like six, seven in the morning. I forget, but either way we had, you know, I lined up the map bees behind this wall. It was perfect. Um, and we were waiting for ERD to start clearing through, but ISIS started maneuvering um, yeah. real early on. So we were like, all right, fuck it. So we started engaging. Uh, we probably, it was about an hour and a half of just like uh, Turkey shoot. And then we started using um, dropping bombs on them. And so one of the buildings that we dropped a bomb, a help, we fired two hellfire missiles into there. Um, one guy survived he wasn't he was pretty much on his deathbed and yeah he he's done here. yeah had been clearing through they brought he hit him with a hellfire they call it that for a reason yeah i mean he was jacked and so they brought him back to us for some reason um he was yeah, on the, hood that's of the weird. car and they were like hey we got this guy and usually you know they would 
either chop the dude's head off or torture him in front of us. So I was just like, hey. They would chop his head, their head off in front of you guys? Yeah, they would. Yeah, it was no. no Jesus. I watched them. I watched them execute women in front of us. Um, it's like decapitating them. No, just... I saw. I watched them uh, execute a woman that was the wife of ISIS fighter, and they were just like done. Like, yeah. Um, so I mean, there was no, there was no like remorse or anything going on. So no. Um, they brought this guy back. The firefight had ended. I mean, there was really no clearance going on at that point, and so I was like, hey this dude's ISIS. He was like, yeah, I was like, we got him. And I was like, just medically work on this dude until he goes away. He expires. Yeah. Yeah. And that's I mean, when, and if nothing else, you're training your guys. Yeah. And that's it. I was like, Hey, get, cause we had a guy that wanted to be a medic. Uh, he wanted to go to 18 Delta after that platoon. I was like, get him over here and we'll get him. Let's do some procedures. It's a learning experience. This guy's already dead. I mean, he's pretty mm-hmm. much so, you know, got about 10 minutes left. So we, did what we could. Um, he ended up dying, and that was pretty much the gist of it. He, uh, but they turned they turned that incident into a whole story. That turned that. into a worldwide story about you murdering a guy. The dollar is getting crushed. We all saw what happened in the crypto market last year. Why would you trust your hard-earned savings and unstable governments printing their way out of debt or volatile overseas investments? Take my advice. Protect your financial future with something real. Gold and silver from my friends at Allegiance Gold. Allegiance Gold can help you protect your IRA or 401k with physical gold and silver, or if you prefer, have it delivered strictly right to your front door. I've been all over the planet, many different countries, and there is only one universal currency that is always of value, and that is gold. Allegiance Gold has some of the highest ratings in the industry. Five stars with TrustLink, AAA rated with the Business Consumer Alliance, and an A-plus from the Better Business Bureau. Go to protectwiththeoperator.com and get up to $2,500 of free silver on a qualifying purchase when you tell them the operator sent you. Or give them a call at 844-790-9191. That's 844-790-9191. We cannot control this government or the Biden administration, but we can prepare for the consequences of their policies. Protectwiththeoperator.com. That is protectwiththeoperator.com or give them a call, 844-790-9191. And preparation is pretty much the key to everything. And have you seen what's been happening lately? Are you getting worried about what's happening in the world? I am not necessarily worried, but I am prepared. I think everyone should stock up on emergency food before it's too late. The way things are going, the next shocking headline could spark nationwide panic. And we've seen people panic and grocery stores will be stripped bare Within hours. And and even right now, the supply lines aren't what they used to be. So are you ready for that? Go to MyPatriotSupply.com, and you'll not only get their popular three-month emergency food kit, but you'll also get $200 worth of rugged survival gear that will help you get through the tough times that are ahead. You can't rely on the government to save you, and you shouldn't think they're going to. Self-reliance is the only alternative for you and your family. So go to MyPatriotSupply.com and get $200 in essential survival gear with each three-month emergency food kit you need, plus free shipping. Get one kit per person in your family so nobody goes hungry. Everything's in stock right now and ready to ship fast. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com before the next disaster strikes. That's MyPatriotSupply.com. And, I mean, not that my opinion matters, but first of all, 
fuck him. He's ISIS. Yeah, yeah. That, I, I would be a hell of a judge. That's my ruling. Fuck him. Okay. But so that's the story. And then, uh, and then let's just fast forward and you get home and then uh, they're pissed at you. Uh, because I, what I read was now just to get, cause I've had shit said about me. It's not about me right now, but um, you were the number one platoon chief now. So you get, I mean, that's, it's a peer and uh, from top down eval of the number one platoon chief, uh, platoon chief in combat, number one, which means you're going to make senior chief, which is the next advance. And some, and this isn't you doing it. Someone put you in for a silver star. Yeah. And both of those pissed your guys off. Oh yeah. I mean, they, they were, uh, so they it's got nothing back. to do with them. Not nothing at all. Um, they came back and they were like, uh, they started going, to the command, Craig Miller did, and he was like, we don't want Eddie Gallagher to have a silver star or pick up senior chief. And the command's like, why? What? I mean, why are you coming to this with this? And he said, because he stole Skittles, <laughs> uh, Red Bulls, <laughs> and cookie butter. Cookie butter killed me because I don't even know what that is. I'm thinking cookie dough. Oh, it's it's the bomb. It's like yeah. a peanut butter. Um Okay, I'm getting some. I'm getting some after this, but uh, so you, so they said you stole this and yeah, the sunglasses so, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so and, that he found. Yeah. Well, all, all this got cleared in court as well. Like none in of court, this- you're in court talking about Red Bull, Skittles, and cookie butter. It's embarrassing. So the command told. Them but again, that- you're not saying object. But to me, if I just and so Craig Miller is up for E7. He's up for chief. And if you get senior chief and you're happy with the job, you're going to write them better evals to get them advanced. Like this is good for everyone. I mean, not even if they agree with it, and it has, it's not going to affect them at all. No, unless and, unless you get it, and then all of a sudden they get promoted. Now, I read too that he was a guy that didn't uh, want any schools, didn't go to schools, or just didn't. I see that that didn't make sense to me. I, I I constantly in professional development, or whatever, I went to every single school I ever could because maybe one time someone will need that. And it worked. I got in, I got into a platoon with Jocko because I went to sniper school. They needed a sniper quick. Like uh, just, you know, cause you want, I mean, at first the dream was the big three. You want comps free fall and, and, and a, a sniper. And then you start getting the other ones. You get free fall, you get static, a jump master, free fall, jump master. And that's kind of the way you should look at it because I'm advancing against my peers, but this guy didn't get any. No, he refused to go. Like I tried to put him in for breacher. I was like, Hey man, do you want to go to any? What the fuck did you say no to breacher? That's like the best school we got. Oh, I know. And that, that should have been like, that was a red flag, you know? And here's, here's the other issue. At that point, they made it a two, two LPOs per platoon. So that's not, well, then it's not an, it's a, not an LPO then. Yeah, exactly. LPO stands for leading petty officer. They, they went away with it. We, we had to do with this, this whole uh, platoon. We had to like have two LPOs. Oh, Craig was like the secondary LPO. My main LPO was shit hot. He was awesome. But uh, the platoon mm-hmm. chief on that deployment ended up getting shot at, uh, on another platoon. So I sent him over there to take over that platoon because he was ready. He had just picked up chief. I was like, hey, you're going to go take over that. And Craig became the main LPO. And that's okay. really that's where the stuff started going downhill. Uh, and so he's like the leader of the mean girls. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's insane. So, so, okay, so then you get back and then – you're just kind of because I, I experienced something similar where you're kind of walking around and dudes are fucking off and whispering about you can see them looking. Yeah. And I, I it's like, what? OK. I, and I'll talk it out. I'll, I'll fight it out. What what are we doing here? I don't have a problem with anybody. Well, some guys I don't want to fight it out with because you never know nowadays. <laughs> but yeah, but uh, yeah. but you're, it's, you can almost see it. Right. Or yeah, hear I mean, it. You're, you know, obviously you you've been around the teams long enough. You know, when 
something's not right and you're like dude okay you can feel the vibe yeah yeah um so that was i was getting that feeling you know after i got back uh, i got sent over to trade to take over salk as the uh senior enlisted advisor and i did one trip there and i came back and i got pulled out um and they were like hey you're going you're under investigation for war crimes and i was like okay that's how you find out you're back from a trip yeah. And I was like, well, what do I do? I was like, I don't understand what, what, what am I being charged with? And they're like, we can't tell you, nobody would tell me anything. Like we can't tell you or anything. I asked, uh, my master chief at the time who was Jason Gardner. He, uh, I went to him. I was like, do you have any advice? Like, I don't know how to, I've never been in any situation like this. And he said, no, he's like, I'm not going to talk to you about it. And he's like, all I can say is you better own up to it. And I was like, what the, f- they already got to him. They got to him that quick. Yeah. I mean, it was all, it was guilty until proven innocent from the very get go, just because somebody, why is, why is that? Who, who got to whom, what, what's going on? I think one of those guys. So what happened is those guys for months were like, Oh, he stole our cookie butter. He did this. He did that. The oh command God. told them like, go back, go get out of here. Go, uh, um, what'd they say? Uh, decompress. They're like, obviously you guys had a rough deployment. Go decompress. That's a good call right there. Yeah. And so they were, they came back again. And finally, the my uh, TU commander was like, listen, is there something here? Like, why do you guys keep coming back? And they were like, mm-hmm. no, there's nothing else. He's like, then go decompress. Then they came back two months later. And they're like, we have something. He killed an ISIS fighter. Oh, my God. They had, it, took him that, it took him that long to, to conspire? About, about five months after we got back from deployment is when they yeah. came back. I mean, this is where you got to bring up the word mutiny. Yeah, and so that's what? when once that once that got down, thrown down the pipe, it got all the way up to Warcom. I was persona non grata. They were like, "What?" I mean, that thing. makes no sense at all. And all you're doing it. So where? So where did where did the NCIS guys grab you? Did they grab you first? Uh, they what did they do? They uh, they came and raided. Well, they raided my house first. Um, oh Jesus, no, that's right. They, Tell they, me about. Okay. So I was, uh, at this point, I was pulled out of trade at, I was put into an office. I was told to, hey man, like, you're going to have to sit in this office until this all like resolves itself. I was like, okay. Uh, so I was no job, like showing up to work with nothing to do. Um, I get a call one morning. They're like, Hey, the XO of supply, who was a team guy wants to talk to you. Uh, because that's who I was reporting to at the time. Oh shit. So, you're going to supply now. Yeah. So you know, where they put it, they put all the yeah. stellar seals. Yeah. Well, you're the number one platoon chief. You just made senior chief. And then, then you're going to supply like th- there's that there's it, just, there's just some so fucked up and fishy going on here. Yeah. I mean, the whole time I was like, I mean, I was not in a good headspace. I was like, dude, dude, what the fuck? I couldn't, I couldn't understand why I was being treated. Like you want to walk around a corner and all of a sudden surprise, we're all, we've all been fucking with you. Yeah. Jeez. So I get called in The exos like, Hey, I want to talk to you tomorrow morning. I was like, sure. Showed up uh 15 minutes prior like in my uniform ready to talk to him he opened the door and there were six ncis agents in there uh they handcuffed me and then paraded me through the whole command handcuffed while they were doing that they had a swat or not i won't call it a swat team. no they had like a raid team at my house they waited for my wife to leave she went to a business meeting and my youngest so son they, they waited for your wife which means there's their surveillance on your house Oh, they were they were uh, surveilling me for about two weeks at, before that, um, which I found out. 
they waited for my wife to leave. They then raided my house. My two boys uh, were in there. They, I mean, they pulled them out at gunpoint in their underwear in the middle of the street and then pretty much laid siege to my house. They blocked off my whole, I lived in military housing. They blocked off. <laughs> they uh, blocked it off. Yeah. Like I was a cartel member. It was insane. Um, they had me locked in an interrogation room for seven hours. So, you know, NCIS brought me to an interrogation room and I politely told them, I was like, I'm not trying to be a dick, but I'm not going to talk to you guys without a lawyer. And See, that's uh, that's insanely smart, too, because those are the types of scumbags as the oil's dripping off of them. You can hear them say, oh, you don't need a lawyer. I'm your buddy. Oh, yeah. They tried to do that. And I was like, fuck them. Hey, man, I want a lawyer. So they're like, okay. They shut the door and didn't come back for seven hours. Seven hours. And if one, so I, I remember something that stuck out in my head because I've got kids is, and I've seen these idiots and give them a, an M4 and they slip. I mean, it's not uncommon to have a negligent discharge. What if that happens, you know, at a family member? Because exactly. some asshole was proving a point that he can raid your fucking house and get the get the check mark that I took down a fucking combat seal. This That's, is insane. I mean, when I got back home that day, and because I had no clue they raided my house because I yeah. didn't have my phone. They didn't tell you anything. My wife and kids are there to like, uh, this happened today, and I'm like, what the fuck? So I, I asked my son directly like five times. I'm like, did they point the gun at your face? I was like, I need to know. And he was like, yes. I was like, show me how they did it. He showed me how they did it. I went into work the next day. I walked right into the group one master chief's office. I was like, I want a fucking explanation of why my house was raided, why this is going on. I'm like, nobody's talking to me. I'm like, this is bullshit. All he told to me, he said to me was, I can't tell you anything, but you can go talk to a chaplain. And that was it. My mind is blown right now. You can go talk to a chaplain. That was when I knew I was like, okay, I'm getting out. Like at that point I, I was still well, like, I'm, you know, I'm going to get back to work, but I was like, that's it. I'm done. This is not the teams that I joined. I was like, no. this, something's going on here. Um, so I literally was like, all right, I want to, I'm going to get out. And I had a year left. I moved my family to Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I came back, I was going to geo batch until my time was up. So I moved them there, came back, checked into uh, intrepid spear, which is like NICO um, to, you know, do the, basically, you know, what everybody does before they get out, go there, get checked up from head to toe. Yeah. And while I was at night, telling you what disability you're going to get. And if you're how, not, if you're fucked up and how fucked up you are. Yeah. Yeah. And so while I was there, I was there for about a week and a half. That's when they came and arrested me out of there and threw me in the brig. Um, Fuck. Yeah. Out of, you're getting treatment for everything from traumatic brain injury to PTSD to probably, I'm assuming a broken back. And then they throw you in the brig in solitary. Um, on 9-11 of all days that's they they chose that on purpose as well um wow everything everything and here's the thing everything they did was purposefully done to try and ignite some kind of rage i mean to, they wanted me to like flip out how and how didn't you flip I out don't, i don't know to this day like i still i mean i'd, I'd be angry i'd be like dude i, I want to but i knew in my head i'm like dude if i do something i'm like all, I was already a target. I was like, if I do one thing, it's going to look. Yeah, like, if, okay. you can't. You can't even look at the jury if you get to trial. Yeah. Oh, that was yeah. I was everything. When, every little movement you make at that point is you are going. It's going to get used against. That's you. a level head right there, man. I remember seeing you on uh, on TV, and my thoughts were because I wasn't I wasn't with you guys. My thoughts were either he's guilty as fuck and a stone cold killer, or he's innocent as fuck. This yeah. is he's there is no in between here. This this is and like I said, then the book reads like uh like a suspense novel. So I don't want to ruin 
the book, but just can you tell me a little bit about the brig and what's it like? And then dealing with like the government agencies who stand between like the DMV between you and getting a call home. Yeah. So the, the brig is, uh, it's gotta be hell. It, it's ridiculous. Um, and I think it's, it's even worse. I won't say it's worse, but it's in civilian prison or like civilian jail because it's run by a bunch of E5, E6s. You know, they're all the guards in there. So you got to think they have all the power. Oh, they love the power. Oh, yeah. So you see the abuse of power in that place. And uh, there is no, you have no rights in that brig. So you literally are in a cell. You know, they put me in general population. First, they threw me in uh, solitary confinement for three days right off the bat. They treated me like I was Jason Bourne right when I came in there. I mean, shout like you're going to, you're going to bust out of the place. Yeah. They literally were like, and that was the reason they wouldn't let me out of the brig. They were like, we cannot let you out of here because you are a danger to society. And they used every qualification. I like, you're a sniper, you're a breacher, you're this, you're this, you're this. We can't let you out. So I was stuck in there, uh, got thrown in general population. And that brig I was in, which is in Miramar, um, it's a sexual, um, I get what sexual predator brig. Like, so about 85% of the people in there are sexual predators in some form or fashion. Um, they, they're either pedophiles or have been charged with some kind of, you know, um, online fucking thing. You know, they're, it's a bunch of weirdos. So I'm, I'm stuck in there with these guys and you literally, I was not allowed to see my lawyers. Um, I was not allowed to go to any medical appointments. I, mm. They pretty much starve you. Um, they they can control what you can. They control what you're eating, yeah. Yeah. Uh, they control, you know, the phone. The, every right you have is gone. Um, so well, you, you can't you can't even lay down, right? Like you got to be sitting or some shit. Be sitting straight up in a chair. Uh, they have one TV in Gen Pop, and they play CNN. CNN round the clock. That's it. Uh, and is is that so? If we were talking. That's just miserable. So then. Then you saw Andrea, your wife, on TV. Is that how you like? Is that the first idea that you had? Yeah, I mean, big? she was like, she was. Yeah, I mean, you've talked me, to her before, but yeah, telling me things on the phone. But you really can't, you know, when you're in there, you can't comprehend like just how big things are getting. You're like, okay, uh, well, what are we doing to, like, what's going on to get me out of here? You know, and uh, and it wasn't. She's like, listen, she's like, this is a fight, and we are we're fighting. Uh, me, me, her, my brother. And then it was, uh, I got it. She was like, Hey, I'm going to be on Fox tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So I, uh, I woke up in my cell. And so your cell door has a little window and I could like sort of see the TV from it. And luckily the guard, it was like five in the morning. Cause she was on Fox and friends. I was like, Hey, I asked him, I was like, can you switch to Fox real quick? And he was cool. He did. And I like yeah, got cool. to watch my wife on TV, but that's when I was really like, Oh shit, this is, yeah, uh, that's got, that's a tough, that's gotta be a tough time because like now it's this is national tv this is worldwide tv and I, I i love the the way she she sort of gave you the hard conversation almost the hard conversation a leader has to have where hey look the teams aren't behind you anymore uh they're against you and yeah. i'm what you got that was and that's i mean that's a fucking i'm getting goosebumps right now because that's a here we fucking go hold my hand moment um yeah. it's on they were fighting, was, you know, and that's when I was like, she's in charge. I'm like, whatever you want me to do. <laughs> you got to give her that too, man. She fucking took that bull by the horn. She took oh, charge. That was badass. Yeah. She's a savage dude. I'm blessed to have her. Um, so, yeah. so can we, so we, you can we uh, move a little bit <clears throat> to you go to the, they get you out because of Trump's tweet a little yeah, bit. So Trump tweeted, you know, 
let him because of his prior service let him out and he wasn't and this is a crazy part like he wasn't saying i was guilty or not guilty he was like dude let this guy out and have the rights he deserves before he goes to trial um so yeah just yeah he put out that tweet um i was let out of the brig that day thinking that i was going to go home to my family but the command my command had different um i planned so i get out they were like nope you're gonna go to a barracks room and literally have less rights than you did in the brig and so i i literally sat in a barracks room for another two months could you could could you i I saw because i read the the actual command letter where they said a something the all reading material approved by group one what like what's approved reading material like the bible and the blue jackets manual or what exactly yeah it was there was no and that's the thing there was no uh I mean, they, they put out that letter like, you can't do this, 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 this. And then when you ask questions like, well, what about eating? Am I allowed to go eat? And they're like, oh, well. And they had they were just figuring shit out as they went. That's Because that's you're in a spot now that no one has ever been in. No one knows what the fuck to do. No yeah. one knows how to treat you. You don't know how you're being treated. And the dumbass guards, and then it's the – but you got to figure it. And this is my mind racing here. If Andrew didn't raise a stink and get on Fox and Trump didn't tweet, you might still be in the brig. I'd be in prison for the rest of my life. I mean, I was facing life without parole. Uh, that's, that's oh, it. Fucking crazy. So, uh, so you get out and they, they eventually, but what, what baffled me is now you've got leadership, uh, but they're saying they're defying their commander in chief, which is obviously the top of the food chain. Yep. Yeah. How, 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 how did, well, they didn't get away with it. You said that guys got fired and they should have, but Admiral, I think Admiral Green's still in, isn't he? No, I heard he just recently got out retired. Um, okay. So, whatever. Uh, um, not my place. Um, so then, uh, just so, you, but you kind of because of the tweet, then you get big time lawyers that are going to help you now. Good, really good lawyers. Well, that's not because of the tweet. That was, and that's a whole other element that you, I'm sure you read in the book. I had um, a nonprofit uh, called United American Patriots. I did. Yep helping me but they ended up being a corrupt nonprofit. the lawyers had no intention of really defending me at trial they they were making money off of me just being in the brig uh they were using my face to collect money for their nonprofit. But, yeah and they ended up extorting andrea um telling her that because she had raised some money with a uh, navy seals fund yeah the navy seals fund that's drago right yeah 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 rachel and, and thomas duran i gotta drop navy seals funds awesome that they, they, that's definitely well, because Drago's the Drago's the the ultimate team guy. Yeah, like he he was like E six busted down to E four, busted back down to something, made it back up type. He was uh, he was the dude that was when Iraq when I was I because I got in a little trouble before I went to Green Team. They made me the master at arms, so he would call me on the quarter deck over just Iraq by himself. He's like, tell him I'm okay. It's like, dude, it's not how it works. See you soon. <laughs> yeah, he's but, dude. Him and his wife are unbelievable. And yeah. They raised about $200,000, and so that corrupt nonprofit saw that, and they were like, hey, we want that yeah. money. And uh, it just ended up being like, and, you know, I told them, I was like, that money's for my family if I get put away for life. And they're like, well, if we don't get that money, then we're going to leave you in prison. So that. So I, I don't want to get too much into the trial because, yeah. I mean, the book gets it. And the like, I don't want to ruin anything. No disrespect, but it's so suspenseful the whole fucking time. Uh, I'm glad I know the ending, like I said, but uh, – I mean, just can you go briefly into even the night before the verdict, you are you need to have the conversation with your wife that I might not I might go back tomorrow and never come out. Yeah. Um, you know, my wife is uh, very she's a strong Christian um, and she was like, 
I mean, the, her level of confidence that we were going to win, she was like, no, she's like, this is not going to happen. I had to have it in my mind. Okay. I was like, Hey, I don't like, I know how this system works. I could go in there and they could just be like, yeah, guilty. You're done. And so I was like, I have to have my mindset prepared. Like I'm going to prison tomorrow. Um, so I kept that, you know, I really kept that to myself because I didn't want to bring down the, the positivity, but I was like, you know, ready to go. Um, but yeah, it was, a that was a crazy time. What were the, cause we talked about the whisper mafias. What was the headshed? Cause I, I saw before I left that one of the big things was Trident review boards and they'll just threaten to take your Trident no matter what. And we'll take your Trident. I know they did it to you, but uh, like, cause the free Eddie shirt got wildly popular and weren't guys getting Trident review boards for wearing it. Yeah. So anybody that supported me um, was reprimanded. Anybody. I mean, the Navy SEAL foundation was literally calling people that were posting uh, stuff supporting me saying, if you don't take that post down, we're going to take back money that we gave you and your family. Like, they, yeah, that's, they, that sounds like the Navy SEAL foundation. Yeah, it was a complete, you know, they, it, they were all just a, the whole community the headshed was against me and they were threatening anybody else that was supporting me. Like, Hey, we'll, we'll come after you. So it literally was like a scare tactic um, on everybody. So did, now did, have you ever figured out why? Yeah. Uh, so what I was told, and this is by an officer that was in the room with Admiral Green, was when my uh, allegations came on his desk, the accusations, because of the bad publicity that we had been getting the past couple of years ah. uh, with all the drugs and this and that. Yeah, sorry had, about that. I, w- I wasn't the drugs, but I was one of them. Well, he, you know, it's like he, he what he did is he was like, hey, he looked at my record, and this is what this officer told me. And he was like, oh, this dude's well-respected well-liked this and this he's like hang him out to dry use him and get the fuck out of here yeah and that that decision was made like that oh that's fucking that yeah no because i do i was making a joke that i shouldn't have but uh there was the problem with some of the guys in iraq and some different shit with you know the drugs and uh, you did mention that and uh uh we had been as a as a community getting a lot of uh publicity around the world and then some was negative and so they just you just i mean i just it it blew my mind the the number one chief promoted to senior chief like you're saying clean boom fuck them fuck them that's crazy hey, i they, believe it they, they lost in the end it's like yeah you know, they did that's uh they did. um yeah well i mean and I, we've i'm gonna wrap it up here if you don't mind um we are going to, uh, we like, just like you do, man. We just stayed positive the whole time. We, we're going to get together over a beer and talk major shit though. Pretty soon. Oh, yeah. You know what I got? Um, so yeah, your book is the man in the arena, but what I have to show everybody is, um, <laughs> so bump, bump box made us some things. They sent us these kick-ass uh, speakers and mine says, look at this. It says uh, Rob O'Neill. And there's Eddie Gallagher. <laughs> that's, a hand, that's a handsome Rob O'Neill right there. I was like, damn, I look good and I'm highly decorated. Oh, son of a bitch. I got yours. I got yours uh, down in my That's garage. Isn't that funny as shit? Yeah, I got your face and my name. Cool. So uh, uh, is there anything you need me to plug right now? Because this has been awesome talking to you. I I love sit, being able to sit here and just be completely riveted. And Eddie, you did that. you've done that to me today. So it's, I mean, it's incredible. It's tragic, but goddamn, what a story. Yeah, we're here, man. We're still we're, we're pushing forward. And, uh, you know, the one thing I'll always plug is the nonprofit, the Pipe Hitter Foundation, which we formed out of that. Um, 
you know, people can, uh, what we do real quick is uh, we support active duty law enforcement first responders if they're being unjustly accused for doing their job, which has obviously happened the past couple of years with law enforcement. We step in, we raise money for their legal defense, we advocate for them, and then we also provide emergency relief grants to their family as they're going through that stressful time. So yeah, if anybody listening, go check out our uh, website, the pipefitterfoundation.org and then uh, contribute if you can. Um, and then, uh, you know, I actually, oh, I have a podcast now, uh, Shoot Me Straight, and we definitely want to have you on if you come down. Oh, no doubt about it. I, I, we got to do one in person, like I said, because, you know, we're, we're telling some good stories here, but man, there's going to be some really good ones when no one's listening. <laughs> yeah, for sure. We got to get you, you and the wife down here, man. Of course, that'll be great. Um, uh, so the book is The Man in the Arena, and and I'm telling you guys to pick up the the hardcover because those uh those IR those what are they what are those codes called? The uh, you the oh, URL the codes QR codes QR codes. That's that. See, this is you, this is me how technical I am because we saw how long it took me to set up this Zoom. I don't even know if it recorded yet, so we're gonna find that out in about. Hey. 30 seconds. We're on the same level on that. Believe me. Cool, brother. Hey, Eddie Gallagher, man. What a t tell Andrew hi. Um, awesome talking with you. That was crazy. Uh, we'll, we'll talk quick, soon, brother. Real quick, Rob. I just want to say, yeah. man, hey, I, I appreciate you, dude. Um, everything that you're doing. I appreciate the fact that you read the book. I know a lot of team guys don't read other team guys' books. I, I'm that uh, means a lot to me, man. And uh, I just want to say I highly respect you, bro. Like every, well, your career, everything that you've done. Um, you're somebody I look up to, man, as a team guy. Well, that, yeah, I'm, I'm, that's very, I'm humbled. Yeah. I'm humbled. Thanks brother. Yeah, awesome. Man.